Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Yes, happy Sunday to you too. 10.30 on a Sunday morning for date stamp purposes. Now, I'm about to ask you as ever how your week's been, but I did notice from Instagram yesterday that you were a very busy boy. Well, I wasn't very busy. I had uh, Graham Hughes over and we were doing just some little... uh, bits and bobs regarding my new film Mm -hmm. um which we'll hopefully be shooting in the next couple of months um so yeah it was good it was fun we got to play with some slime we got to play with some fog machines yeah perfectly nice way to spend a couple hours on a saturday does sound nice yeah yeah um but aside from that what's your week been like viewing wise i actually think that there's been a fair amount of overlap between my viewing and yours Cool. Okay. Um. Let's uh. Let's start with your stuff then, and I'll match it to the stuff that I've watched. Okay. So first off, I went on to Shudder and I watched The Power. Yeah, I watched this as well. I watched this on Friday morning. Um. You go first. Yeah, I I, I quite like this. Uh, normally, this kind of old timey insular horror doesn't really work for me. Like things like The Awakening and stuff like that, particularly and. I know that sounds harsh, but particularly when it's British. No, I am. I actually, I find myself sometimes having a similar problem, and it's absolutely not the fault of the film a lot of the time. But and I've spoken about this before, and I've used this exact expression before. But there is a certain kind of stuffy Britishness that I find very, like, almost repellent. Yeah, I find that as well, especially when it's kind of coupled with this degree of officiousness and just like you know that way when a character is like so clearly distressed and in, in, a, in a bad way and just no one is willing to give it the time of day at all. Yeah, but I think that the power uses this kind of like, I think that the way that this plays out and the way that those kind of themes play out in this film uh, are really effective. Basically what you have here is you have a nurse who has just started working at a hospital that is largely um, evacuated. Yeah, yeah, we're in the, we're in East London here and she's essentially drafted in like day one due to a slight, a very, very slight malfeasance on the ward. She's drafted in to do the, the night shift, which just looks terrible. It looks horrible. Basically the power's off and everything's just powered by generators and it's going to stay that way until the morning when all the power will come back on. Yeah, as she kind of like makes her way around this kind of largely abandoned hospital, it's apparent that all is not as it appears to be mm-hmm. and what is kind of partly feels like kind of supernatural also brings up a lot of kind of very prescient themes and says a lot about trauma and the way that people with those experiences can be treated sometimes and things like that. And uh, this is the debut feature from Corinna Faith and I thought this was really pretty superb to be honest yeah i thought it was really good i really i I don't think there's anything particularly new in here no i would say that's probably true i think you could probably call where it's going relatively early on but it didn't take away from my enjoyment of it i thought it was pretty good i thought the performances were good i think rose williams in the lead role is pretty strong as well Mm -hmm. yep yep yeah i thought this i thought this was good it was the best one of these kind of things i've seen in a while what i will say is that like obviously it's thematically very dark and i think that it gives that the kind of respect that it's owed but i I think that also 
there are some kind of fun haunted house elements to this as well mm. and I think that it balances those things really well um, and I think that the period detail is quite cool yeah. it works yeah. genuinely really unnerving scene featuring middle of the roads chirpy chirpy cheap cheap yeah yeah that is weird but uh, yeah yeah uh, it never wallows in the more unpleasant things either it never gives it too much airtime or feels like it's gazing on it too hard you know what I mean like uh, I think in the hands of another filmmaker they might have leaned a bit heavier into that and I'm glad that this film doesn't do that I agree I would say that's available on Shudder that's the power from Corinna Faith and mm. yeah uh, big thumbs up from both of us by the sounds of it yeah yeah check it out also The Empty Man yeah now this one <laughs> has been being spoken about for ages um, I've seen loads of people I've seen everyone from like uh, kind of like I saw Dave McKendry talking about it ages ago Robert Woods that directed An Ideal Host he's been a big vocal supporter yeah. of this film Kinnell mentioned it this week did a Kinnell Sinister Cinema on it yeah Brad um, Miska as well I think yeah so uh, basically I think that like there, there was enough collective of opinions from people whose opinions I'm interested in mm. that kind of like I spent part of my holiday Monday watching this. Okay, well, I mean, a, a decent size part because you must have balked slightly at the runtime of this match. Two hours seventeen, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, this is like this is an interesting one. I mean, like this got a very very limited theatrical release, but the director basically, I think, feels like this is kind of an unfinished. Th- Thing and it tested quite poorly and I think there was some panic around that right and I think that it does feel like you're watching an extended cut of something like it does like because I mean this film takes I, I, it's like more than 20 minutes uh, to get to the title card with yeah. a cold open that has nothing to do with any of the characters in the main story yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah you, get, you don't want to get too invested in anyone in those first 20 minutes that's for sure no no if you think if you think that this is going to be like kind of a um, claustrophobic survival horror about backpackers or whatever which would be a more than understandable reaction from the first 20 minutes mm. um yeah that gets pulled out from under you and you get dropped into a far more contemporary and kind of familiar setting with James Badgedale in the lead I really rate James Badgedale yeah I think he's doing good work in here I think the older he gets the more grizzled he gets the kind of better he gets and he's doing fine work in here like he's doing fine and yeah he's in this um, as kind of your main character really and (laughs) he is out to find this girl that has gone missing and what I was concerned about when he starts digging into the lore about this was that we were going to be in kind of like Slenderman Bye Bye Man territory yeah that was a that was a pretty big concern of mine to be honest yeah do you know what made me laugh though the amount of times through this film like people remind james badgedale that you're no longer a cop <laughs> it's like yeah i'm pretty sure he's aware of that leave him alone <laughs> yeah there's an hour and a half of people telling him that he's no longer a cop just fucking rubbing it in his face yeah like i mean like like i think that yeah i think that he's like uh carrying out this investigation of his own volition because he wants to find the girl he's not laboring under the misapprehension that he's still a policeman um a tinfoil <laughs> badge inside his wallet <laughs> like doofy from scary movie <laughs> um, uh, yeah I think that this is too long it's too baggy it gets a little bit bogged down over exploration mm-hmm. however and, and like I say there was a very real fear where I thought that I was going to be watching a two and a quarter hour Slenderman with a very long opening and it's not that it's like this film isn't perfect far from it but mm, definitely. it's a definite improvement on those things and I think that it's definitely to be commended for its kind of ambition and scale yeah I, yeah I, I think a director's cut of this where it cuts it the other way would be quite interesting where it maybe does remove some of the more superfluous moments and uh lets the the good stuff because there is really good stuff in here it lets it kind of breathe a bit more i actually think that this is kind of largely flown under the radar people are kind of spreading it around word of mouth much like slender man um <laughs> or the bye bye man 
And uh, I actually think history's going to be quite kind to this film. Yeah, like, I mean, in Canel's chat about it this week, he kind of said that, like, this has developed a kind of cult following in its own right. And that is quite cool, considering mm. it's only really been a thing for six months. Yeah. And I, I think, and I think that you're right. I think that in the fullness of time, people will discover this, and a lot of people are going to like it. I would agree. I think that, like, probably there's about maybe 20 minutes that could come out of this. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, want, I would like to see The Empty Man. I mean, these are totally different films, but I would like to see The Empty Man thought of as fondly as something like Session 9 is, which was also this kind of slow-building cult film. Yeah, uh, that's uh, actually, like I think that's a, that's a pretty good comparator um, in that way. Also, I just want to say as well, without talking about where this actually goes, I think that the kind of culmination of the mythology of this is really quite cool. Yeah, I thought the, I think the end's quite strong. Yeah, and I, I, think I, that I didn't lot, really see it coming. I think that when you're trying to build something, like when you're trying to do world building on this kind of scale, there's a lot of room for it to really kind of sag and peter out before the payoff. And I think that what probably kind of, it didn't save this for me, but it made me come out way more positive is that the ending did feel so convincing. Yeah. So a pretty successful week for the stuff that we watched together then. Oh, absolutely. The power, well worth a look. The Empty Man, also well worth a look. You can buy or rent, I think, The Empty Man on Prime and The Power is available on Shudder. That's right, yeah. Um, I just have a couple of things very quickly to touch on. I came across a film, I actually, I put feelers out in the Shud Locker to see if anybody else had watched this because I thought it was weird that it had flown under the radar mm-hmm. so much. But um, in my process of raking around on uh, Disney Plus's freshly labelled horror section, I came across George Ratliff's Joshua. Right. From 2007. Now... Have you seen this? No. Right, so the reason that this caught my eye is it stars uh, Sam Rockwell and Vera Farmiga. Okay. Vera Farmiga would go on to do a better creepy kid film than this a couple years later. An Orphan. An Orphan. But I just thought, I was like, oh, that's a reasonable amount of star power. I'm going to check this out. And it's very kind of like, it's got the feel of like a 90s thriller or kind of melodrama. Right. This, the, the score is operating at 11 a lot of the time. Basically, before we kind of get into it, it's basically about this uh, this kid called Joshua. His parents are uh, Sam Rockwell and Vera Farmiga. They haven't, like, he's like a child prodigy. Mm-hmm. can play the piano, all that kind of thing. But it's basically an excuse for a kid to be creepy and wander around in a shirt and tie. <laughs> like um, a little miniature Brahms. Yeah, exactly, like a little miniature Brahms, <laughs> totally. Um, he is displeased at the fact that there is a new arrival. And it's just an escalating creepy kid film. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there now like i say this is like this is quite trashy right um but it's never not entertaining and when it needs to get under your skin i think it does so really effectively this has been given the shit as the artwork treatment oh no um, this is also known as the devil's child there is not a supernatural element in this film the kid is not possessed and the <laughs> the, the uh the, the new artwork for this is just like garbage and it's just it's one of those things where it's just like you know it's, it's like that uh the harvest versus can't come out to play thing yeah got you where it's just like you just completely missells the film. It's on Star on Disney Plus. And like I say, it's not perfect. And I think that there are probably mountains of these things that are compatible or better that I just haven't seen. But as something that I just took a blind punt on for the sake of something to watch, I came out really quite enjoying it. Uh, so that's Joshua from George Ratliff. And that's, yeah, like I say, that's on Disney Plus. The only other thing, very quickly, I want to touch on Creepshow. Uh, ah. Series 2, Episode 2. The continuing good fortunes or relative good fortunes of this show in the second series given my kind of like ambivalence on the first season continue to an extent this week right there was a segment called Dead and Breakfast right which uh, was directed by Axel Carlin okay and I really I really liked that that was um, about this couple who have kind of turned their like their, their grandmother I think was kind of uh, this noted killer so they've kind of turned her house into this murder themed bed and breakfast okay fine. Um, to kind of capitalise on her like legacy um, notoriety and, yes notoriety yeah and uh, basically you have this true crime vlogger 
who turns up and she starts to suspect that it's all kind of bullshit. Right. Um, so she starts to try and do some digging and then it's quite fun because you basically see her posting these like video blogs in a room or like posting stuff on Instagram or whatever and you see the couple downstairs kind of like watching them and getting raging and watching their reservations get cancelled and stuff. So basically they're trying to silence her. She's trying to figure out what's really going on. Okay. Um, I thought this was really fun. I liked it a lot. Um, the second segment was uh, Greg Nicotero's one. Right. Which was a Pesticide which was about a kind of exterminator guy who takes on a job from a suspicious man played by uh, Keith David, or like right. an enigmatic man played yeah. by Keith David. This has also um, got Ashley Lawrence in it, yeah? It has also got yeah. Ashley Lawrence in it, that's right, yeah. This, I think, will work better for other people than it did for me. Why? But the one thing that I've kind of found with the segments in the new series that I didn't with the old ones, were that I've got kind of an entry point with a character I can get on board with and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like um, the kind of Bob Ross character in the Sam Raimi segment from last week, mm-hmm. and like basically everyone in the true crime segment in this week's one but um i couldn't find a point to get on with it like there was no spot where i could get on the train and because of that when it kind of goes into big creature fun later i can objectively enjoy the fact that that part is quite well done but i also don't really care (laughs) okay so uh but like but not bad again in all honesty some some pretty solid stuff and uh we'll get to it later but some pretty interesting stuff by the sounds of it for next week as well So that's my lot. Right, well, uh, I went back to my Nature Gone Wild side quest this week. Of course. And further back again to 2015 for Moose the Movie. (laughs) Okay, tell me more. You like the sound of this one, do you? Sure do. Uh, This was not at all really what I expected going in. Um, When it started, I was like, oh, this is going to be bullshit. And to be fair, it wears its budget right on its sleeve. But this is is actually a lot of fun. It plays kind of like a comedy. Uh, This cop comes to this small town called Gangrene Gulch in Alaska. Um, (laughs) And there's this kind of series of murders taking place. And... Obviously, as you can imagine, they start to kind of investigate the murders, uh, find out what's going on, and it turns out that it's essentially the work of this half-man, half-moose, Moosator-type character, Excellent. who uh, really is just a guy with a, a moose mask on. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this is very silly. It revels in its silliness, to be honest. Like, there's a, a, like a kind of cafe, a diner in town that is manned by a puppet. Okay. So you have like there's those kind of weird little things in there. All the residents of the town are weird and bizarre. I actually thought this was way more fun than I thought it was going to be going in because it just I, felt so cheap and so shitty. But I kind of grew to get on board and appreciate the shittiness of it, and that was kind of that kind of became part of its charm. I gotta say, yeah, like this sounds like something I would quite like. Well, it's on Amazon Prime. Most of the movie. It's very dumb. It's very cheap, but just checking right now, it's got 6.1 on IMDb. Ah, pretty formidable. And so that's pretty great. And uh, yeah, it's it's way more fun than it seems on the surface. I gotta say, on reflection, they're The Empty Man, The Power, Creepshow, Joshua, Moose the Movie. Very positive week, it's what I like. It's not like us, to be honest. No, we've been miserable bastards lately. It's nice to like. It's nice to. It's nice to get that sunshine back. The sunshine is coming out, like as we speak. This could be a nice sunny day, and uh, uh, this could just be the cap on it all. Us climbing out of that pit, the gloom, the winter gloom, and mm-hmm. blossoming like the daffodils. The sun has got its hat on, Andy. And so do I. <laughs> <Yeah>. So yeah. <laughs> what have they been saying? 
feedback time then and um, a decent amount coming in this week but a lot of it was on the chud locker so before we start i just want to say a very quick shout out to some people who have because this has become like apart from the bad film club thing that happens in there quite a lot it's also become this kind of very cool platform for people to promote their own work and i am quite up for people doing that when mm -hmm. it is so often there's such a consistently high standard yes so i just want to very quickly shout out canel sinister cinema he was posting in there this week it's a youtube channel that canel does uh digging into new and old stuff that is really really good uh, Darren Gaskell's got Socially Distanced Cinema which is covering the Soho Horror Festival shot down Saturday stuff all the time right now but generally is weekly reviews yeah mm -hmm. uh, he's also got the HD movie podcast with uh, Hayley Alice Roberts um, yeah and obviously of course got um, I Spit in Your Grades from Faye, Chris and John their live show last night was great but yeah those guys have all kind of popped in said hello commented on our stuff and shared some stuff of their own it's all really good and it's all worth checking out absolutely uh, yeah guys keep doing what you're doing you're all brilliant but away from that we did have some other stuff come in this week yeah we put out an episode recorded a couple of weeks ago as part of the so home horror festival shock down saturdays where we talked the howling three with our old pal matt mercer yeah people got in touch and were uh, really nice about that i've got um hanny underscore ray getting in touch saying i'm sorry i missed the live version that was a very fun chat and what a touching end which could refer to a couple of things because it all did get very very kind of like sweet natured and waltonsy at the end yeah we brought in suzanne voss who's the lead in matt's film dementia part two uh, we had a little chat with Suzanne, which was really lovely. And then She's we brought... so nice, yeah. Yeah, she is, yeah. And then we brought Mitch Harrod in, and he just basically talked about the connection that Dementia Part 2 has to the So Home Horror Festival, kind of how it's ingrained, really, in the DNA of the, of the festival. And that was all really lovely as well. Yeah, it felt like a nice way to unify all the various mad things that were going on that night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was a really, really, a really lovely time. So a big thank you once again to uh, Mitch for having us and uh, Matt for taking the time to join us as well. Yeah, uh, Saltire Popcorn, Kevin got in touch to say, so glad we got to hear the audio from the Howling 3 chat between Matt and ourselves. It almost makes me feel less bad about the life choices that mean I have seen every Howling movie. Every. Single. One. Great chat. Like a scrotal mac and me, laughing my ass off. <laughs> a couple of people got in touch with their favourite moments. Do you have any more there? Uh, I have uh, Laura Byron coming on just saying, uh, audio equipment for sex is tea-spitting stuff, guys, and a gif of a Walkman. Ah, good stuff, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of an if-you-know-you-know -you -know moment, yeah, that one, isn't for it? sure. Away from that, I uh, want to say a quick hello to Andrew Barron, who got in touch with the Chud Locker this week, saying that uh, he was having a Larry Cohen slash Michael Moriarty double bill. Oh, cool. Of um, A Return to Salem's Law and The Stuff. And without saying too much at this point, that might be more prophetic than he realises. <laughs> For sure. You got anything else? Yeah, I've got something coming in from Dan Popomatic. This is in regards to a Patreon episode we put out this week about the chill factor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dan just saying, I think I liked this a lot less than you both when I watched it the other week. I don't mind a bad 80s or 90s horror. Yes, depending, uh, depending what site you look at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was just a bit bold watching this. Um, I can kind of see that. I can kind of get that. Andy mentioned Microwave Massacre, though, which I feel could be a contender for an Irredeemable Zep. It's an awful film. Um, Dan, it is. Watch this space is all I'm going to say. Yeah, uh -huh. we have taken that under advisement in a very serious way. It seems appropriate to end on one last thing from Dan with a shout back to uh, something that we spoke about in Reasonable Death uh, last week of the minisode. Mm -hmm. He said, I dreamt that I met the hosts of Strong Violent PC, but we were attacked by zombies. I got eaten alive. Fulci-fueled nightmares are awesome. At which point, uh, Turnstile Blues interjected. 
did and said, I hope Andy threw some jalapeno pretzels at them. Uh, <laughs> uh, which, Andy, I think that like, I don't think that you could spare uh, any Snyders of Hanover jalapeno pretzel bites as projectiles. I think that no, you'd sooner no. die. Unless I'm throwing them in at my own mouth. That is the only, <laughs> that is the only direction these things are being thrown. Um, I've got one more thing from Cannonball Jones. Uh, just coming in just a couple hours ago. I don't do podcasts, but I'm from Scotland and love horror films, so that's my key podcast subgenre. Check out Strong Language and Violent Scenes, Behind the Screams, and The Captain's Horror Meltdown if you have the inclination. Cannonball, thank you for the shout-out. Thank you for the shout-out and for still having the best name I've ever heard. Yeah, thank you to your parents for gifting you with that incredible first name. I choose to believe that it's his real first name. Like, if like if it's not, I don't want to hear about it. I actually happen to know it's not because I sent a badge to Cannonball. What did I just say? I'm clapping. I'm my not going to tell you what it is. There. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But uh, I happen to know that it's not that. <laughs> uh, lovely to hear from all of you. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Yeah. That's what just pitches. It is once again time then for Mitch's pitches. Now Mitch's pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and left only the image. Mm -hmm. It'll be up to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis based solely on that very image. Now, last week we had Hard Rock Zombies, which I reappropriated as Night of the Living Shred. Yes, well done. Thank you very much. And we had a few uh, this week. So starting off once again then with James Rodriguez. After dying in a tragic donut accident, Homer Simpson gets sent to hell for his years of being a prick and discovers the horrific (laughs) truth. Him and everyone he knows have been trapped in a timeless vortex, forced to enact endless adventures long past people actually caring. (laughs) imitating life Satan gifts him with the powers of the rock god which includes giving him extra fingers so he can kill the creators and free his friends and family except stupid sexy Flanders (laughs) can Homer smash Matt Groening's head with a tramampoline find out in this meta finale the Simpsons in the Mouth of Madness Attack of the Rocking Quijibo great (laughs) reference Very fun, very fun. Catherine Mazer on Facebook. At ground zero of an asteroid impact, geologist Cruz T. Crystal <laughs> is launched into the fetid bowels of the Earth. Jetson downward through the magma. He's transformed from his grizzled professional appearance. As all human aspects are stripped from his soul, what remains crashes into swirling brine of pure hellacious energy. I'm curious about how she's going to link this back to the brief. <laughs> his molecular structure is reformed into an ongoing series of three chord progressions that cannot and will not be stopped by any force of nature. Very good. <laughs> Wrapped only in strips of studded leather, Cruz T rockets from the centre of the earth, bringing all the dead and undead with him to rule the earth. Helmets on for the head-banging Cruz T Earth Rock Reborn. That's excellent. Yes, I'm a big fan of that. That's, uh, that's like... A that's a Mitch-sized extrapolation as well, which I love. I want that to play out as a dialogueless space rock opera type thing, but it's animated, oh, yeah, like, yeah, like a sung-through musical. <laughs> just no, 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 no dialogue, no, nothing, no singing, no dialogue, just music, just blistering music, and like really kinetic animation, blistering three-chord rock music. Yeah. Kevin Matthews. Then, after years of developing an army of soldiers who can charge the very earth around them using any loose stones as electrified ammo, Magneto makes his next move for power a lot of franchise building going on here yeah like, for sure. the only one who may be able to stop him is a rubber clad fetish icon forest gimp <laughs> <laughs> a man usually impervious to any electrical attacks after the strange tangent of the new mutants the x-men universe is given another horror writing this time co-directed by the chemical brothers it's 2021's back with another turn of those rock shocking freaks <laughs> lovely 
Very nice. Cosmic Ray Girl, facing their seatbelt and Johnny Fast Five were in a rock band, but... <laughs> <laughs> but to make it big, they dig up Beethoven. Tune in this Friday for Don't Fret, Don't Decompose. Lovely. Like that. Hanny Ray on Twitter, Rock and Roll Will Never Die was the motto of infamous shock rocker Don Fret, but it seems it is he who refuses to rest in peace when a pop cover of his number one hit causes him to rise from the grave to save music and split heads. It's R.I.P. Rocker's Intellectual Property. Lovely. Lovely. Excellent. CP Buckley on Instagram then to wrap us up. After dying during his last concert, Tornado Orgasm lead guitarist Timmy Bass is buried in his hometown graveyard. I love the fact that that's not nominative determinism because he's Timmy Bass and he plays lead guitar. Yeah, that's brilliant. 12 years later, a Satan worshipping fan, Danny Hill Music, performs a ritual to raise him from the dead. After returning, however, Timmy is not the same, choosing to eat people instead of playing music. After Timmy eats Danny's family, Danny must find a way to save Timmy and his girlfriend, Theodora Marver, who's been abducted by Timmy, who's fallen in love with her. Can Danny save the woman he loves? Will Timmy ever get back with his band and record some new music? It's the 1995 cult shocker Eat, Pray, Rock. Timmy bases back for blood and brains and everything else. (laughs) I really like the band name Tornado Orgasm. It's great, yeah, really good. Um, a strong field this week. Wow. Uh, well done, everybody. That mm. was uh, that was great. So, uh, best character name and best pitch, please. Best pitch to Catherine Mazar. Um, Reasonable. Yeah, Catherine, don't expect your nothing this week. We've got to ship to New Zealand, so just bear with us. Yeah. Uh, best character name, Forrest Gimp. Forrest Gimp. Okay, so that is um, another win for Kevin and a win for Catherine as well. Big wads of nothing. On Special mention to Alexis for Fessender Seatbelt. Yes. Yes, big fan of that as well. <laughs> well yeah. done, everybody. Oh, God, I fucking love this. Always so good. Always so good. Um, apart from when it's my turn, so let's do this. <laughs> Ready? Sure. There you go. This one shouldn't take you long. Now, I notice that you say this when you send me simple ones, but like I say, simple ones are a double-edged sword. Yep. Because sometimes they're, like, too simple. Um, whether that's the case here uh, remains to be seen. So, um, there is no border to this image, I don't think. Uh, nope. And, yeah, it's very simple, actually. What we have got here is um, a staircase upwards. We're, we're like, with, like, the viewer is at the bottom of a staircase. Yes. In a very dark room. Uh, yes, yes. Um, we are look. We are looking upwards. Uh, the stairs have like this kind of like white kind of rug down the middle of them that's stained with what's presumably blood. It may yeah. be red wine, but I'm gonna go with blood. It would be if um, it was your house. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> like or blood. I'm very clumsy. Could be a little late. <laughs> Um, but yeah, at the top of the uh, stairwell, we see um, a figure in a wheelchair, which seems to be she draped over him or her. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, they're kind of lit from the back, a la the artwork from The Thing. Okay, yeah. So yeah, kind of like, uh, so person in a wheelchair with a sheet over them casts a long shadow down what appears to be stairs down to a basement. Okay, lovely. Fine. Uh, okay, I will need a moment. Sure. Now you were just saying that sometimes these the simpler ones are more difficult. I kind of like that though. I like to see how you deal with a really simple image, like one that's maybe just like a hand on the floor, like with just a little bit of blood around the finger. How you extrapolate that out to the kind of general nonsense that you usually manage to. The the free reign is is kind of nice. Like, but so, so, sometimes you know, it's like you, you kind of feel like somebody that's like just newly getting out of prison and the world's around them, and you're just like, where do I go first? Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I suppose I kind of get that. It, it allows you to be creative, but then it also burdens you with being too creative. It's a very broad brief, yeah. um, and I would say that that's probably uh, that's probably true of this one. Uh, but if I'm kind of I'm kind of getting there with something. Okay, are you pre- are you prepared to to take a stab at it? Yeah, it's really stupid. Right, okay, here we go. Mitch, they're always stupid. 
That's true. Yeah, it would be weird if I. It would be weird if I was like, this one's actually really serious. Yeah, this one's one I'm actually working on. Yeah, <laughs> this one's development. Yeah, okay. So please don't laugh at me because it really, it really, really means a lot to me. Very sensitive about my work. Okay. Downtrodden housewife Vanda Killagai is struggling oh, to see fuck. the positives in life. With her kids off to college and her friends all moving to suburbia, there's a void in her life that she's anxious to fill, and her listless, passive husband Hugh isn't helping. Mm-hmm. One day, while out walking, she happens upon a young man bleeding out in the street, having suffered two broken legs and massive facial burns as the victim of a hit-and-run accident that caused his Prius to explode. <laughs> Desperate for an outlet for her motherly instinct, she takes the man home and looks after him. With a man living a solitary existence locked in a soundproof dark basement with no memory of his life before the accident, Vanda carefully and meticulously rebuilds an alternative existence for the man, single-handedly weaving a narrative of how he's an orphaned child called Dawn that was adopted into the Killagai family as a young child. However, he will soon recover and has become an increasingly suspicious of Vanda's widening network of lies. As the search for the missing man intensifies in the outside world, Vanda is willing to sacrifice it all to keep Dawn in the family. Misery meets secret obsession in 2018's claustrophobic <laughs> chamber piece, Kill a Guy or Die Trying. Oh, for fuck. Right, okay. Wow, lovely. <laughs> um, I kind of like, I, I know that you have gone for more recent posters um, of late sometimes. I suspect that this is not the case, but I wanted to put 2018 on it so I could make a secret obsession reference. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, actually, there is a fair amount of overlap between the storylines to your film that you've just mentioned there and Secret Obsession. Yes, ah, uh-huh. ah. <laughs> um, so. How far out? I'm going to say that I'm out by like a margin of minimum 30 years. The year is 1988. Okay, so I'm at least in the right ballpark for estimating the margin by which I was wrong. Yeah, and also, but you were able to look at the poster and roughly determine a year, which is good going. This is having a positive effect on you, I think. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's one of the, like, it's, it's a positive and a sea of negatives, but yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so the film? The film is Pin. Pin. Okay, um, so what is Pen about and who is emerging from the INDB wilderness to synopsisize for us this week? Our synopsizer this week is Gas Mask Productions Books. Oh, okay. I feel like Gas Mask Productions Books might be taking on too much. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the synopsis is as follows. Okay. Isolated by his strange parents, Leon finds solace in an imaginary friend, which happens to be an anatomy doll from his father's doctor office. Unfortunately, the doll begins to take over Leon's life and his sister's life as well. This sounds fun, is it good? Yeah, this is brilliant. I love Pin. Uh, I know a few other listeners out there also love Pin because I shared a post recently where I was watching Pin and a few people weighed in talking about how great it is. This is available on the Arrow subscription service on Amazon Prime, not on the Arrow player itself. So if you have the subscription service via the Amazon channels, you should be able to watch PIN that way. That's kind of unusual. But uh, that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week for Images Everywhere, so you know what to do. Join in. Absolutely. Check it out and pitch away. Streaming platforms then. So decent amount of stuff this week, starting off then with Amazon Prime. Now, this is not um, a horror film by any means, but uh, the worlds of horror and metal often go hand in hand, and I think it's worth mentioning that on uh, today, if you're listening on release day, Sound of Metal. Ah, yeah. <laughs> lands on uh, Amazon Prime where Ahmed, a heavy metal drummer's life, is thrown into freefall when he begins to lose his hearing. Now, uh, Now TV has a couple of things that kind of piqued my curiosity. I think that this sounds like something I would like, given the kind of sci-fi that I like. On Thursday the 15th, we have got a minor premise. Right. Attempting to surpass his father's legacy, a reclusive neuroscientist becomes entangled in his experiment. 
pitting 10 fragments of his consciousness against each other. Ooh, interesting. And Friday the 16th, um, again, I think kind of thematically dark enough to qualify and a big one landed in Sky Cinema, A Promising Young Woman. Oh, wow, yeah. Yes, with uh, Katie Mulligan and Bo Burnham. Now, nothing in Cassie's life is what it appears to be. She's wickedly smart, tantalizingly cunning, and she's living a secret double life by night. Now, an unexpected encounter is about to give Cassie a chance to right the wrongs from the past. I have been looking for a UK release date for this for so long. Well, you've got one now, my friend. Yeah. Very much looking forward to checking that out. Netflix then, just the one on Thursday, and Andy, I smell smoke. <gasps> Only mine. <laughs> Your face, man, when you said that. <laughs> After dating a charming cop who turns into an obsessive stalker, a small-town girl must save herself from his deadly ways. Oh, wow, that sounds superb. Yep. Uh, and Shudder, on Monday, we have 1989's The McPherson Tape. All right. Um, which I haven't seen, but I know is a favourite of um, Faye from Spitgrade. Yeah, that's right. Known for being a pioneer of the found footage genre, this centres on a typical fall evening in 1983 when a young man videotapes his niece's fifth birthday party. As the night's strange occurrences take place, he keeps his video camera running, recording the entire event. Um, on Thursday, another Shudder exclusive. And it's The Banishing, new from Chris Smith, the director of mm. Creep, Severance and Triangle. Yeah. The true story of the most haunted house in England. A young reverend and his wife and daughter move into a manor with a horrifying secret. When a vengeful spirit haunts the little girl and threatens to tear the family apart, the reverend and his wife are forced to confront their beliefs. They must turn to black magic by seeking the help of a famous occultist or risk losing their daughter. Sounds pretty interesting. Generally like Christmas stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah, I'll probably give that a look at some point. And on Thursday, of course, on Shudder, we have got Creep Show Series 2, Episode 3. Two segments here, we've got The Right Snuff, which is directed by Joe Lynch. A misunderstanding in space ensures two astronauts go down in history for all the worst reasons. Ryan Quantin's in this from uh, Dead Silence. Yeah, yeah, we haven't talked about him for a while on the show. No, it's been a wee while. Actually, probably since Dead Silence. <laughs> and Sibling Rivalry is the second segment here. Lola is convinced her brother is trying to kill her, but she's worried about the wrong monster. This stars Molly Ringwald. Information about it beyond that is a little bit thin on the ground and I think that the reason for that might be that this has been kind of drafted in to replace the episode or the segment that they pulled that had Marilyn Manson in it. Ah, right, okay, sure. And obviously right. after kind of everything that came out about him, uh, they, they pulled that and yeah, so uh, that segment has been replaced by uh, this one. So I'm looking forward to checking out. Um, I think it sounds kind of interesting and I've kind of accepted the stunt casting element of Creepshow as part of the fun. Oh, for sure. And I think that, like, and it, it took me a while to do that, and now that I've done it, because even in that segment this week that I didn't like, I still thought that Keith David was good. Learning to love that a little bit more. And don't forget, also got uh, the penultimate Shockdown Saturday, this Saturday the 17th of April, at the Soho Horror Festival. Now, if you don't know what you're doing with this, head over to Facebook and look up Soho Horror Festival or Soho Virtual Horror Festival, the group, and uh, join in there, and uh, Mitch will keep you right on Saturday evening. Now, uh, the theme here is refuge.org, and we've got a, t a European premiere of the film Lenny. Right. Here, it's an Argentinian production. Violence begets violence in this powerful and intimate study on generational abuse through a repulsion-like focus on one woman's struggle to surface. Ooh, okay. This is showing with two shorts. That is uh, Chris Chalkin's Tickle and Megan 26, which is the UK premiere of a short directed by Bria Grant. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. And, yeah, the second segment this week. Um, we've got a short uh, called Lily, which sounds really interesting to me. This is from 2019. Uh, nine minutes long, a young actress's audition becomes increasingly difficult with each line reading. Cool. Interesting. And uh, basic witch, uh, hex boyfriends are the best boyfriends. <laughs> and the world premiere closing this ambitiously or at least for the features uh, this evening we have got Sam Ashurst A Little More Flesh 2 yeah more from us on that in the fullness of time 
And because I don't mind saying at this point that we were lucky enough to get a little preview of a little more flesh too, but we're not going to talk too much about it yet. But what I will say is that's an incredibly audacious way to round out an evening. Yeah, um, what I will say is if a little more flesh went to 10, this goes to 11, possibly 12 <laughs> uh, in terms of making it incredibly uncomfortable. But really, really interesting stuff from Sam again. But yeah, we'll be talking in more depth about that one next week. And also don't forget, of course, there is after that a panel uh, from from our pals over at Ghouls Magazine. Yeah, that should be pretty interesting as well. I think it's uh, thematically very similar to the tone of the rest of the night, so you'll have a rough idea of the kind of conversation you're going to have. Yeah, but um, yeah, more great stuff from Mitch. And like I say, the Shotgun Saturday's nearing their end, but uh, what a great run it's been. Incredible. He's an absolute hero. Yes, yeah. He, um, yeah, I think, that it's, I think that's one of those things where he'll be able to look back and know that he did genuine good for people during yeah. all this. So... Turning our attentions, though, to this week's show, and every now and again, particularly during troubled times, you just want to have a conversation with an old pal. Yes, yes, and we're coming up pretty quickly on our third birthday. Yeah, God, that must be that must be this week, actually. Yeah, it is, it is. This week, Strong Language and Violent Scenes podcasts turns three years old, and we've done it every year, Mitch, so far. We're doing it again. We're bringing back an old pal for our birthday episode. We... Sure are, and it is our great pleasure to welcome back the first male guest to return for a fourth time. Yes, that's right, yep. You know him as the host of the podcast Under the Stairs, and also from our episodes on Rawhead Rex, The Hole, and The People Under the Stairs, it's Duncan McLeish. Yes, and historically I have had an absolute blast with these, and I would hope that this one is no different because we are going back, as we mentioned earlier, for Larry Cohen's The Stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. so Andrew Barron's homework is already done this week. Easy, yep, that's it. You can just kick back and listen to the episode, safe in the knowledge that it's fresh in his brain. Miles ahead of the curve. But yeah, this week, we turned three years old somehow, and welcome <laughs> back, Duncan McLeish, to talk this stuff. We are very excited about this. Hopefully you are too. If you want to let us know, then you can do that through all the usual channels, Facebook and Instagram, or Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC. You can email scenes at gmail.com and join the conversation on our Facebook group, The Chudlocker. Yes, indeed. And our Patreon page continues apace. I don't want to say we'll have an episode this week because I've said that the last kind of month. Yeah, fair, but we do know what's coming next. We do know what's coming next. It's just, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again. I don't care. We will have a Patreon episode this week, guys. Cool. Okay. That's always worked out great up to now. No reason why it won't this week. (laughs) I personally am very excited for next week's apologetic double dunt of content. However, we are back come rain or shine in your main feeds this Friday. We're talking the stuff with Duncan McLeish. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chats. Goodbye. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 